All right, just a quick, uh, quick announcement. Um, our children's room is done. All the work is done. It's complete. Um, yes, thank you to Mike Rowe, who kind of spearheaded that whole thing. And Ted Garrish, who did the painting. And Warren Eccles, who had his, got his hands dirty in there. And Sue Drace's son, Kevin, who is an electrician that we had to hire, but he gave it to us for free. And he did all the electrical work so we didn't burn the building down because that would be bad. Um, and so now that part is all done. Now it's our part. We need teachers. We need workers to now pastor our children because that's what you're doing. You're shepherding the children of the church. You're teaching them about Jesus. You are instilling in them. You are pouring into them. You are investing in them. It's no small task. It's not just a children's church worker. It's not just a nursery worker. It's a big deal. I don't want to scare you saying it's a big deal. I'm saying that it's important. And so don't think it's justa. There are no justas in the kingdom of God. There are those who have been called to serve. And I I don't want to um, burst your bubble, but we've all been called to serve in some way, shape, or form. And so I would like you to prayerfully consider how you can get involved in nursery and children's church Uh, We need probably another half dozen teachers and uh, teachers' assistants to come alongside so we can have continue this rotation of of teachers moving through. So consider it. Pray about it. You can talk to me, one of the elders. You can talk to Melissa Rowe. Where's Melissa? She here. Oh, in the front. The rows are in the front seat. Mike looks a little uncomfortable over here in the front seat. (laughs) Don't worry. I, I spit a little bit, but I'll make sure I'll just stay over here. It's when I get excited. Um, <laughs> well, now you can't fall asleep because I. Pshh. So please prayerfully consider. This is a big deal. This is what God has given us. These children. We've kind of separated the room. We've kicked our offices out of here, and um, we believe that God has gifted us with lots of kids, and so we want to minister to them the best way that we can. And that's through dividing up children's church to make sure that it's age appropriate and age specific. Okay. All right. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for the love that you have for the church. The love that you have for each one of us that's here. I pray that you would continue to make that love real in our lives and so that we can go and love others, those around us, those that we haven't even met yet. And this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 Uh, One more quick, brief announcement. If you have not signed up to clean the church today, you are more than welcome to stay and help clean the church today. I just want to throw it out there to you. You don't have to be invited. We are already inviting you. All right, so... We are working over the next couple weeks through a short series about the church, kind of who God is calling us to be, who we are, who we want to be, um, what God is calling us, how God is calling us to live separately, together, in community, because how we live, it matters. How we, the footprint that we live in this world, or that we leave in this world, it matters. 
And last week, it focused on what the mission of the church is, why we exist as a church. Jesus, in Matthew 28, he gave us a commissioning. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize, and I want you to teach. This is why the church exists. For no other reason do we exist but to go make disciples, baptize, and to teach. God has given all of us this mission. Now we have to understand, it's very important to understand that each person here is the church. And yes, we gather in this building on Sunday morning and we call this church, but it's a misnomer because each individual person is the church. And each individual person has been called to this mission to go make disciples, baptize, and teach. We all have been given this mission. And so we come together and we call this the gathering of the church and not just church. This is the gathering of the church. God has given us a mission And he's gifted us in different ways to fulfill the mission. He's given us different passions and different talents and different callings in life. But even in the context of whatever you've been called to, we're to make disciples, we're to go, we're to share the good news, to teach and to baptize. It begins with us. We have to be a disciple in order to disciple It begins with our families. It begins in the home. It begins if you have children. It begins with our children. Ed Schmidt has been doing a great job kind of rolling out this family ministry idea of of how do we equip parents to be disciplers of their own kids. So because it's, it's not the church, it's not our responsibility. It ultimately is the parents' first place to disciple their children. Go make disciples teach, baptize. And as a gathered community, we're called to make disciples. Even in our nursery now, those kids are hearing the Bible verse that the children's church kids are working on. Because we believe that the word of God is powerful even to a one or two year old. And so we want to make disciples. Small groups where you're learning the word of God together, where you're hashing it out, where you're praying for one another, where you're be letting yourself be known and you're getting to know other people. It's an important part of discipleship. Our Sunday morning gatherings are an important part of discipleship. This is where we seek the Lord together, where we worship together, where we pray together, where we have fellowship and get to know each other together. This is an important part of discipleship. We are all called to be disciples and to make Disciples. It's ultimately why we exist, why the church exists. We've been told to go. And I don't mean you have to go worldwide, you have to go to foreign countries. Maybe you just have to get out of your cubicle. Maybe you just have to walk down the hall. Maybe you just have to knock on your neighbor's door. Maybe you just have to yell over the fence. Our job is to share Jesus with the world. Our job is to take this good news that we all have and share it with people that may not know the good news 
people who don't know who Jesus is, people who don't know what he offers them. We are to invite people to the Jesus community where discipleship takes place. And so it's kind of a little mini-series in the middle of our series in Ecclesiastes because I think it's important, I believe it's important that we get back to the basics of church. Because church goes way beyond attending church. Church is a lifestyle. Faith is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. And so last week we looked at the mission, and this week I want to talk about community. I want to talk about the importance of this community, the gathering of the church. And if we're called to make this a priority, then how, how are we to consider this gathering? How do we, how do we live in this gathering? What, what's our part in it? And so this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a large part of Scripture. I'm not going to read it from there because I think it's even bigger in my Bible than it's out there. But I'm going to read that. And then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, what, what, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. A lot of body talk in there. 
But you know, as I was kind of churning that over in my brain, I've come to this realization that in my own life and in many people's life that the idea of being dependent on something or someone, we don't like that idea. We don't really care for that so much. We like independence. But to be dependent, it just feels kind of awkward. We are an independent people. We are an independent nation. Look at our children as they grow. They're always striving for independence. They always want to know, I don't need help. No, no. And as they get older, it doesn't get any better. We seem to think somehow that dependence can be viewed as weak or being deficient in in something. We're lacking something, maybe skills or maturity or, or money. But what Paul is writing about here is an interdependence within the church community. That the church community is to be a certain way. Now I can imagine those of you who have been around church for a while, and and maybe this isn't your first church, and you've been through some some stuff. We, We like this idea of a harmonious community. That when you walk into this group of people, there's nothing but rainbow, glitter. And you walk through the door and the beam of light shines upon you and you hear, oh, and you know you've arrived. And there's this beautiful synchronicity that flows through the group. But what I found in New England is that's all well and good as long as you keep your distance and don't infringe upon my independence. I need, don't come in my box. Now, we're a church of hugging, and um, we've offended some people because of that. We've entered into the box. For that, I just want to say, we're not sorry. See, no one wants to feel dependent on someone else or something else. That's why so many people have a hard time asking for help. So many people just, just will suck it up and suffer through instead of going and asking someone. And the only reason why I know that is because I'm leader of that pack. We don't like to be dependent on someone else. I got this. And after seven trips to Home Depot, it's fixed. <laughs> I didn't need your help. For some reason, we've made this idea of dependence A sign of weakness. But what Paul is trying to get to, he's trying to let us know that the Christian community is supposed to look very different from the world. The Christian community should be upside down. The church needs to be upside down from what other communities look like out in the world. Now he's writing this letter to a community who has seemed to have lost their way a little bit. And the community that he's writing to just, it reflects all the worldly standards that, that are out there. And so what he's asking them is to take, you know, take a good look at what's going on. Take a look at how you're treating each other. Do some soul searching. And maybe by doing so, you'll, you'll change your ways. You'll begin to live differently. See, a Jesus community is a gospel community, and a gospel community should be a light in the darkness of this world. 
It should be a light on a hill proclaiming that there's a better way. There is good news. And the people that are a part of that community should be inviting people to Jesus, should be leading people to Jesus, should be inviting them to the community of Jesus. Because we, we believe that there is light where Christ is present. And so those people that come into the community, they should be able to sense that there's something different. Even if it's weird to them at first, they should be able to sense there's something different going on here. Paul is speaking of, and, and this isn't my phrase, this is a phrase that I read and some really smart guy came up with it. It's a complementary interdependence of the church. Huh? Huh? That's a big word, huh? It took me all week to learn how to say complementary. But what it means is that each and every person in the community brings something to the table. That's all it means. Everyone, every single person brings something to the community that God has chosen or knows that the community needs. Everyone. Every single person. And we live, we're supposed to live in this, this, this flow with each other. In a harmony of dependence on the brothers and the sisters. And it's something that's sacred. And it's something that's, that's very holy. Just as the body, I don't know if I want to read all that again, but he's talking about that, that the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, and the body is just together, it's not separate. He's talking about a human body, but he's referring to the church, all of the different parts of the church. He's talking about, he, he's using this as an example. And on verse, verse 27, he says, Now you, we, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, what you think you can or you cannot do. You are a part of the body of Christ. The church does not function as a, a group of separate people just doing their own thing. This isn't even like a, like, a, 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 like a democracy where we got Republicans or Democrats or we got Reformed or Arminians. We're, we're the body of Christ. We profess one Lord and Savior. We have been baptized by the one Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ. And we're to act like a body. Like, like this flesh and bones and blood thing. Think about how the body works. Okay, think about this. So it's late. You're sleeping. It's like 2.37 in the morning and you wake up. And you're thirsty. And so you get out of bed. And you're going to go to the kitchen to get a drink of water. Now, you've walked this path many, many times. And so you don't need to turn on the light. And so you're walking through, and unbeknown to you, earlier in the day, those beautiful angelic children were playing with Legos. And you told them to clean up their Legos, but they forgot one. And lucky you... Because you're a good mom or dad, you found it for them with the bottom of your foot. Now think about what happens in that instance. There's no thought process that happens. Things just go off all at once. Your foot comes up. Your hand goes down. Maybe you begin to hop on the other good foots. 
You might sit down. You know you're going to grab for the said Lego, probably piercing your skin and dripping blood that's now on the floor. You sit down. You dig the Lego out. You, you, everybody has that face, their hurt face. Something with the eyes and, and the mouth. We all have it. It's very individual. And you make the hurt face. And you utter words. Oh, the words of blessing for your lovely children as you pull this out of your foot. And as you, as you limp towards the kitchen, the thought comes in your brain that tomorrow morning you're going to be throwing an entire set of Legos in the garbage. None of that has, you don't have to think about it. The body just works in harmony with itself to react or respond. And so it is with the body of Christ. We are called to work together in harmony and synchronicity, whatever word you want. Can you imagine your toe saying, I don't need the foot, or the foot saying, I don't need a leg, or the hand saying, who needs a forearm? I'll just get connected to the elbow. Or what if we're a hundred elbows and that's it, or a hundred ears? It doesn't work. The body doesn't work. There's this, there's a beauty of interdependence that should be taking place in the body of Christ. From youngest to oldest, you are valued in the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So it's ridiculous for us to think that we can do without a part of the body. And so it's, it's ridiculous for us to think that as a body of Christ, that someone is expendable. It's not what the scripture teaches Now, I I need you to hear this because this is really important. We as human beings, whether you think you're all that and tough or you know your weakness, we all have this, maybe it's a fear, maybe it's an anxiety. We don't want to believe or think that we personally are just an expendable part of anything. No one wants to be thrown away. No one wants to be tossed aside. No one wants to believe that they have no or little importance. That's a horrible way to live. A horrible way to live. There are people that jump from church to church. They're trying to find that fit. They're trying to find a place where they can be needed or accepted. That should not be why people go from church to church. I want, you to, I want you to hear me very clearly. Christian, you are indispensable. You are crucial. You are important. You are vital. You are needed in the body of Christ. We make up the body of Christ. God has put us together to to put the gospel of Jesus Christ on display for the entire world to see. We are the body of Christ. We have been knitted together 
We all have a different role. We all bring something to the table if you allow yourself to come to the table. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God has put the body together. See, being dependent on one another, it's not a sign of weakness. It's God's design. God knows that we need each other. God has put this mess together that we call church. And, and are you ready for this? This, this, is the, this is the part that kind of just scrambled my eggs a little bit. We, this community, as best as we can in our brokenness, we as this community are to begin to reflect what humanity will look like when Jesus comes back and returns. We as a community are supposed to begin to look like reconciled humanity. We are supposed to be different from other communities in the world. Not shut up and hold up and and afraid of, but inviting and welcoming in all of the messiness. The weak... The world has different values. Weakness is looked upon as, um, as someone who, who is less. But the weak are given honor in the Jesus community. And the unpresentable. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Maybe those of you with tattoos or something. I don't know. You are honored in the community. <laughs> the less are raised up and they're important just as everyone else. All have a place of honor. All should have a place of honor in a Jesus community. We are one body of Christ. There should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If, if we're truly connected, I mean, like, like a body, like connected. If we're truly interdependent upon each other, then we will experience life's joys together, life's challenges together, and life's sorrows together, life's happiness together. Life's mountaintops and life's valleys together. But and see, in order to do that, church has to go beyond Sunday morning. Church has to, we have to do life together. Be part of each other's lives. Be in relationship with one another. If somebody's going through something difficult, how can you go with them in that journey if you're not part of their life, part of their journey. We're called to do life together beyond Sunday morning. See, to seek, belong, and serve, that that belong word is an important part of discipleship because we need each other. We need to lean in on each other. When one is weak, the other could be strong and vice versa. And to know what each other is going through, to know what one another, to celebrate and to 
to, to suffer with, we have to be in relationship. This is what we're called to. I'll give you an example. Uh, after church today, uh, many of you know Robin Freeman, who has just completed her second round of chemo for breast cancer. She's got, what, 10 more weeks? Uh, 18 more weeks. Um, and she came to me a few weeks ago, and she said, you know, I, I, I don't want to face this whole idea of losing my hair alone. I dread thinking about being in the shower, washing my hair, and then just having my hands full of my hair through the chemo. And so she said, would you shave my head after church? I said, make a disciple of me? I said, of course I will. And so after church today, we are going to shave Robin's head in solidarity with her, to stand by her as a community. You're all invited to hang out, to watch, to be there with band-aids in case I oops. This is what a community does. We rejoice, and, and we will together one day rejoice when the doctors say cancer-free. But now we enter into the challenge with her. This is what community is about. This is what Paul is talking about. Together, together we're stronger. Together we can stand firmer. No one is dispensable. Everyone is important in the community. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers and miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. These are, the, these are considered gifts of grace. They're intended to be used to care for one another in the church. They're, they're intended to be used for our mutual benefits. And we all have unique giftings and we all are called to come together with them, to share them, to love on one another. This is the picture of interdependence being lived out in community. This is, this is the way the church is to operate. Would you imagine a church that really got a hold of this in a, in a, a radical way? What if the church, capital C, got a hold of this? I really believe that the buildings would be full on Sunday morning. Something would be taking place differently. But here's the tension. Here's the, here's the difficult truth. I believe that church, capital C, and, and even us, we have a long way to go in this. We have a long way to go to look at our dependence on others as a gift of God, as God's working, as God's making. Because we have a tendency in the church to disregard people. We have a tendency to disregard, and by doing so, they, they kind of become dispensable. Like, I don't need them. Maybe I need those over there, but, but not, not them. Now, no one's going to say that. No one's going to say, yeah, I, I consider Joe and Fred and... hope we don't have a Joes and Freds in here. Um, I consider them just, yeah, I just don't talk to them. They're, they're dispensable to me. But our actions speak louder than our words. 
and the motivations of our heart control our actions. It happens when we put ourselves before someone else, when we think about ourselves. It happens when we get settled into this consumer-oriented church model. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? How can I benefit from this? And so when we come in here as a consumer, we look at people as something to be consumed. And if we have that mentality, it puts us on guard because we believe that if this is the way I'm acting, then other people must be looking at me as something to be consumed. And I am, I'm going to insulate myself from that because I don't want to be used up. And by insulating ourselves, we isolate ourselves. That's why it's so dangerous to have that consumer mentality of church. What's in it for me? It's not about you. It's not about me. That's about the person that's sitting next to you now. That I forced you to sit next to. We have to begin to see the beauty of diversity. We have to understand that each and every person in the Jesus community have been saved by the same Savior and with the same blood and are loved the same. I've always wrestled with Jesus loves everyone the same because I feel a little bit more special. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? The answer he's getting to is no. Not everybody is all that. The church would be incomplete with just one gifting. And God knows that we need each other. And that's why he's gifted us in different ways to complement each other, to, to lift each other up. And that's the beauty of diversity. How boring it would be to paint a picture with just one color. But instead, God has gifted us with many different colors and passions and, and talents. And together we create and paint this Jesus picture for the world to see. No one person has it all. The gift of prophecy may not have the gift of pastoring. And the gift of pastoring doesn't have the gift of administration. And the gift of administration maybe doesn't have the gift of pastoring. And the gift of healing doesn't have the gift of encouragement. It's, it's all compliments each other. What's your gift? What will you bring to the community? Knowing that the community is a better place when you're in it. The community is a better place when you are bringing your gifts to the altar, saying, here it is. The community is a better place when you recognize your need for others. It's why we need each other. This is part of our maturing as a disciple. Community. Being together. As messy as it is, as uncomfortable as it is, as, as just sometimes it's inconvenient. No matter how many times you've been hurt in it, this is the beautiful mess that God has orchestrated. Let me tell you what a healthy church is. 
healthy church is a group of broken people who are aware of their brokenness. And a healthy church is this group of broken people who are aware of their brokenness are also aware of how God has gifted them. And they take those gifts and they use them for the good of others. That's healthy church. That's a healthy community. Knowing that all our passions and everything, every talent that we have, every gifting, it's been given to us from God. No one sat in, the, in their mother's room, womb and God went, okay, here's a checklist. You check off what you want to be when you get out. I'll take the, No, God has individualized our lives for a specific reason and purpose and has brought us together in community. Can we begin to look beyond our own self-care and look to our mutual care? You know, you've heard the saying, um, you know, it's, it's all about give and take. You know, our, our political process, if you watch the news, it's all about give and take. You know, you have to give a little and then you get to take a little. And, and it's, it's kind of this cultural societal norm of how we, t- how we are to get along. We give and take. Unfortunately, that wrong philosophy has seeped its way into the church. See, this is, this is nothing to do with give and take. The church philosophy should be give. And that's it. There's no take. It's just give. And when there is an entire community of people who are giving, no one takes anything. But you have a group of broken people who recognize their brokenness and they also recognize their giftedness who are giving and an entire community giving means there's an entire community who are receiving. And to receive is a different posture than to take. And could you imagine a community of people who do nothing but give and are only encouraged to receive? This is church. This is God's view of church. There is no one expendable. Jesus didn't view a single person to be expendable. He said, for God so loved the world that Jesus came. You and I were indispensable to Christ. He said, "Mm -mm. I want their soul. I want their life. I'm going in, Father. I'm going to give everything for them. Grace said you are worth saving. Grace says you have been called to mission. Grace says you are a part of this beautiful mess we call church. And grace is not something that we should hoard, but it's something that we live and it's something that we give away. You don't have to figure out your identity in the church. Christ has already given it to you. You don't have to try to promote yourself in the church. You have already been lifted up in the name of Jesus. You don't have to protect yourself because by the power of God, he will heal all wounds. So I ask you again, as I asked last week, will you begin to own this vision of the church? Can this something that we can begin to live into more and more and more? To recognize you have a purpose, you have meaning, you have value, you are critical to the kingdom of God and to this 
specific community. Will you walk not only in your brokenness, but in your gifting for the good of others? Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you struggle with community. You've been hurt. I get it. I got fired by an entire community once. I know the feeling. But Jesus wants to heal that. Maybe you don't know what your gifting is. Jesus wants to reveal that. Maybe maybe you just don't feel valuable at all. Maybe you just have failed over and again and and you figure you're just going to warm a seat because what can God possibly do with you? I say just wait to see what God does with you. But if you're if you're if something is is just a check in your spirit, we're going to have some people at the cross that will pray for you. Don't leave without letting a brother or sister pray for you. And if you if it's a little if it freaks you out coming up here, there's plenty of people that are sitting right now that would just be people that you know. You could say, "Hey, would you pray for me?" This is what I'm feeling. And let the Spirit of God continue to work in our community. Father, we thank you for the love that you have. Thank you for this thing you call church. Thank you that we are one body. Now strengthen us to live even with more determination to be one body in Christ. We love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. We're going to meet out there for the shaving.